get it. Hello, 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 everybody. It is your co-host, Josiah Jacobs, without my partner today. All right, y'all, it's going to be my first one without him. So, you know, it's still going to be fire anyway. It's me. Come on now. We have we have two amazing guests in the buildings. Introduce yourselves. It's Sharon. <laughs> and it's Lorena. Yes, yes, yes. These are some very smart individuals. Uh, we was just having a, a great conversation about about the black family. Do you guys remember your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Before? Oh, yeah. Right. I'm branching off of you. <laughs> All right, speak your piece. Speak your piece. Essentially, I think where we left off was what was working in the family structure for black people during the civil rights era was working, and we were able to make all this progress and change, but now it's not working. And I guess my question is, what is not working about it and what changed, what happened during this time period for it to dissolve, essentially? Mm. It's very, very complex issue. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I attribute it to a few things, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of want to say like welfare a little bit, mm -hmm. but I still need to gather my evidence <laughs> on that one. And, you know, that's, that's a very popular, popular trope. I'm... And at first, I was I was heavily, heavily, heavily into into the welfare argument, but at the same time, you know, it's like it's a contribution of other things. Like I think the um, the war on drugs, you know, dismantled the crack. black family. Not not even just from the people who used crack, but also from the people who who dealt it. I remember, like in in the show, um, what the fuck is the name of? Uh, nah, um, Snowfall. It's Snowfall. I haven't watched it, but my roommate tells me about it because you know I like you know I like history, mm -hmm. and. Um, he was telling me that, like, another thing, the people who sold crack also, like, they also, um, it kind of ruined, like, how, how women viewed men because mm -hmm. the factory job wasn't viewed as the, as the best option flashy, anymore. Right? It's not flashy. It's not flashy. And as we know, the people who, the people who sell drugs, you know, it's fast money. It's fast money. Ooh, we got to talk about fast money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so a lot of people... I mean, a lot of women started going to those men, and you know, in the factory job, you know, the regular nine to five wasn't viewed as you know as something that was that was worth that was that was stable. Yeah. You know, there were definitely plenty of time, definitely an era of instability. You know, yeah. you have families leaving neighborhoods because there's a crack epidemic. You know, it's like in my neighborhood, my grandma told me that um, there was a family who lived two doors down, and one of one of one of her friends that he got strung out on crack. And then they moved to Indiana, and he got strong on crack again. No way. And it's a Soda house in San Francisco, which contributes to gentrification because yeah. a black family did not move in. Yep. You know, so another another ethnic group bought the house, which I'm not I'm not against other ethnic groups buying houses, but yeah. you know, I'm very big on the black community. You know, yeah. us having our communities, our own. Our, our own communities, and in my neighborhood, in Bayview Hunters Point, San Francisco, we kind of had that, but you know, slowly dying off. When I walk outside, man, I don't see no. I don't be seeing no black people. Like, you see the modern multi-family buildings. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love Howard. Like I love seeing all these black people. You know, like, we in Chocolate City, right? We are, but Chocolate. I mean, 
they're building everywhere. Like the streets, they're doing construction on every street. You know, we can even look at this place over here. They built that quick as hell. You know, you know why? You know why? Because white people are moving in That's this area now. That's what I'm saying. Now. Like this apartment. Do you guys think? Okay, this kind of makes me think of of we live in like one of the. I think DC has one of the like leading populations for. Um, black people like with higher earning careers after like Atlanta or something mm-hmm. like that. Do you think there's a difference between having all of these, you know, new buildings and establishments and things like that, and black people are moving in, but then they're kicking out like people who have lived here all their lives? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that, I guess, relationship different from gentrification? How do you feel about that? Mm, I, I've never thought about that before. Because it's like, you know, it's a good thing that we're, we're able to move into this space and we're able to have this community, but at what cost, you know? Mm-hmm. These people have been here their whole lives. Like, they've right. been able to afford to live here, and now we're telling them, okay, we want something nicer, we want something better. But it's black people now, so it's like, mm. I kind of feel like it's old versus new money. And it really comes with, like, work experience as well because, like, the older generation, all they know is factory, nine-to-five lifestyle. But the new money, we know the media and creating our own business and, you know, how to use that to our advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like more people in our generation are able to get an education easier to earn a high-paying job. Right. So... I don't know, it's just like a difference in generational wealth. Yeah. It's definitely I it, increased. I and I, I definitely see that. And I think I'm I'm more concerned with like the actual ethics of how that would work. Like it's wrong if, you know, let's say this family has been here for three generations, right? They've lived in this home, like they've cultivated this neighborhood mm-hmm. and an investor says, Oh, this is a really great area to develop, right? And they essentially offer to buy their home for whatever price, kick these people out, destroy their home, build a building, and a bunch of white people move into it. That's gentrification, right? Right. What if black people were to move into that building? Is that still gentrification? How is that different in that sense? Hmm. Well, I I think it it still is gentrification. Definitely. It it still is. I think the process is gentrification yeah, the yeah. it's not even about the people moving in right. because you you have the funds to do so you know mm-hmm. and you just kicked out people who didn't have the funds it's right. why they built new buildings and man that shit is just awful bruh this i guess like it just makes me think like how do we effectively build these communities to preserve the people who have been there for their whole lives and like who who have ties to these places mm. but also draw in, you know, a new audience of people and they can still live, you know, together, right? Yeah, fine. Yeah. We gotta put our money together. So man. man. <laughs> Let's talk about it, man. Powernomics. Powernomics, man. I think um gentrification, the, the tricky thing about it is, although we've seen it a lot in the past, you know, like decade or so. It's something that's been in the works for a really long time, Thanks. since like the seventies. So it, you you can't you can't combat something that's been in the works for almost half a century, with mm-hmm. with just like a few years of of um of planning. Or you know, if we we can't just keep complaining 
You know, that's all we do. Complain with no solution. Always complaining, you know. No solution. Oh my god, gentrification. You know, like what? What are what are you doing? If if you care so much, what are you doing? You know, how are you? I said, are you are you reading about solutions? Are you trying to get solutions, Mm -hmm. or do you just want to sit and complain? You know, like you talking about pulling our money together. Like that shit is makes me so mad because people never black people never talk about that. We don't have one. We don't. We don't. Like, not at all. But here's the thing. That plays in a role with, like, perspective as well and perception. Because, like, I can't go to a nigga on the street and just be like, let's put our money together. Let's buy black. Right. Like, all he knows is, what, selling drugs? Mm -hmm. He has to be exposed to not only the knowledge, but he has to see how that lifestyle works. And he has to want it, too, because people are able to see these things in action and still choose what they're comfortable with. It's that burning desire. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, honestly, a lot of black people don't even care. They don't. They don't care, you know. It's like self-sabotage. Yeah, especially like, kind of, honestly, like wealthier black folks, you know, because, I mean, I just want you to, I like to watch a lot. Um, He kind of explains that like, a lot of those, a lot of the wealthier blacks, Especially if they were kind of smart growing up. A lot of time in black communities, and you're kind of ostracized for that. Oh, it's yeah. Class, you know, oh, yes. You're, you're, you're made fun of it. Socioeconomic status is always going to be classist. If it's, it's basically like the talk about intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Like, you're black, right? But you're poor and black, or you're rich and black. You're going to have two very different experiences. Yes. So it's like, how do we kind of have this shared experience? Like, what is our shared experience, essentially? Because being black doesn't seem like it's enough. Like, there's still so... There's black women. There's black gay people. Like, there's just so many different perspectives to be black from that we're both black, but I might have a completely different life and outlook on life than you because of your circumstances, experiences, experiences where you came from, all of those things. So it's it's like... And I feel like to, to combat, you know, the problems that we're having, the solutions, we need that shared kind Unified. of... Yeah, that unified that perspective. And I guess the question is, how do we build that? How do we... And the times that we have built that, and that's not... We've had Black Wall Street before, and then it got burned down. Bro. So I, it's I, like, no, no, let me say something. Let me say something. Because let's go back to that quick money. Black people think they could get it quick. You know, a get rich quick. Like, they have that mentality. Right. And it's like, you're so sabotaging yourself because of quickness. Like... This whole plan that we're, or this whole society that we're, broken society that we're in now, didn't happen overnight. So it's like, if you keep that in the back of your mind, you know change is going to take time. You feel me? We're so like, how do we do it? How do we get tomorrow, today? Let's complain about it. And it's just like, okay, let's create a plan. First off, the organization. Remember we were talking about that in class. We have mm-hmm. no organization. Organization, man. And I think we're also- that class pissed me off. When the girl in the back was Oh, no, no, hey, no, 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 no. that stuff pissed me <laughs> off. Like, I was sitting in the front of class seething. No, I was, yeah, no. I was like, bro, what? Oh, my God. I said I was going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about foolery. it. Straight up foolery. No, no, I said talk I was going to talk it. about it. Black Lives Matter, the organization. Fucking scammers. Scammers. Very much. Scammers. Scammers. <laughs> and, and I remember the, the girl, she was, I think she was talking about, what did she say? She said, like, that was our organization. Or whatever. Like that. When they're when they're taking away millions 
from from the community and then buying man like buying a mansion not even for the benefit of the community but for the benefit of themselves right. you know throwing parties and stuff like that right that's the problem and i think money is the solution but to what extent it's what we do with the money it's, it's not even money it's the mindset it's the mindset we, i can give a homeless man a million dollars right now he'll still be homeless by the next yeah. week like he has to be exposed to that, not even the lifestyle, but the education. Like, you need to learn how to maintain it. Mm-hmm. You can't have you it all at once. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it really starts with education before we even bring in money and organization. Like, you have to have that mental capacity and be able to change. Because change is uncomfortable. Yeah. That's why we're still stuck in the same position. I think, too, this kind of relates back to what we were saying before about, like, being patient with the process. I think we're so on a timeline that that distorts Quick, kind of the goals. It's like, all right, this isn't, we're, not, we're probably not going to see this in our lifetime, so let's stop thinking about us and how this right. is going to impact us. Let's think about what we want to have for our children and our children. How do we want to continue this legacy mm-hmm. rather than let's change the world and fix it all right now? Because right. that's just not going to happen. Right. That's what we want to do. That's what um, Dr. Dr. Boyce Watkins always talks about, like, when he talks about his plan for like black people, mm-hmm. he says by the year twenty seventy, because he knows yeah, that it takes some time. I believe so too. You know, it, it takes it takes a while, and we're talking about like uh, when I was a kid, I remember just reading about um, certain things and stuff like that. And honestly, all black kids, you know, we're all we're all taught about how much progress we've made in this country, and, and we have made progress, especially like when it comes to civil rights and stuff like that. But when it comes to the economics, to where to where the actual problems are, are, you know, where the actual, like, Systemic. reasons for the problems. Dr. Clyde Anderson talks about this. Black, when slavery ended, black people owned um, one half, one half percent of the wealth of the United States. And since then, it's the same one half percent. Mm. You know, we've, we've been tricked as, <laughs> black, as black people. We've, mm-hmm. we've been tricked to believe that all of our problems stem from can stem from lack of rights and stuff like that. When a lot of our problems are because of lack of rights, but at the same time, what works, we pretty much have those rights today, but at the same time, we didn't focus on the economics and civil rights movement. We didn't focus on that enough. And when MLK did try to focus on it, he got shot. Right. You know, when he started making a movement about about poor people, you know. It shows you the value of, the, the value, quote unquote, of money. Right. Like how much power it actually holds. It's more than just, I have more money than you so I can get this. It's influence. It's decisions about people's lives. Like Exactly. When I used to see them boys in my at my job in San Francisco, when I seen them black boys stealing at Safeway. Did you let them? Huh? Did you let them? Did you mind your business? Oh, uh, hell no. Nah. Uh. Well, man, that's a whole different story. <laughs> like they, they almost tried to fight me because like, my uncle used to be on them. He used to hate when people stole from the store, so mm-hmm. he t- he snatched one of their bags. No way. And and the dude tried to kick my uncle. Oh my god, I went super saiyan. Like I um I walked up to him I was like, hey, don't don't touch my uncle, bro. Right. Like hella mad and he got scared, caused a whole little scene and, and shit How like old? that. Man, he's like like fourteen. Like Damn. and and I used to like try to talk sense to him. I used to be like, Why why y'all be doing this? Right. You know? And and as I was talking to him, he's rolling a blunt in my face. No way. Yeah. I would have whooped his ass. Because I mean, you got money for some damn weed, but not no damn snacks. Right. No, but no, but no, but no. <laughs> Priority. No, they're not stealing it for snacks. They're they're stealing it because so they can like. What was it? Just like all types of shit. Uh, one one thing they like to steal a lot of is gum, because. Can resell it. Th- yeah. 
Yeah. They resell it on, oh. on Market Street. So it's like fast money. Like, fast like, money. Like, like we was talking about a lot of our a lot of our problems in the community stem from economic inequality. Mm-hmm. Because if, if those you know, if those black boys grew up in an environment where to where they to where their parents had money, they wouldn't need to come in the Safeway every single day and steal. Right. But that relates to even just the structure of our economy. Like the capitalist structure was not meant to tailor to those who were already like at the bottom. Right. Like, even if and that and that's why like the Beyonces and the Jay Zs of the world, it's like, okay, it's great, like black people have money, like woohoo, but what does that actually mean for black people? Like that's just a symbol of a symbol. money's oh, a tool. Is, right. People this, don't understand that. It's too it's, much symbolism too much symbolism in our community, too much Oh look! Look at him in that position of power. Yeah, I want. Yeah, he's be there. That. But what's he doing for me? I exactly. See, I feel like okay. There's like three things why black people are like so comfortable in the position that they are, and I feel like it has to do with, of course, oppor- more opportunities to like employment. Like that's what integration did. Mm-hmm. Now we're right. able to work with white people. Two voting. Oh, let's put a black person in office. Number three. Social integration. What about it? You know, now we could sit in restaurants. We can go to the movies. I feel like that's where most of our comfortability comes from. Like, we put so much towards progressing in integration that now that we have access to the same things that they do, we're comfortable. Mm -hmm. But it's deeper than that. Because, like, even though we're able to go in these places... It's like they still have that same mentality. They hate black people, right. you know? And it's also, why are we trying to conform? Like, it's almost validating that, oh, they're doing everything right. Like, right. the fact that we have access to this, the fact that we're able to do this, like, oh, like, we're so lucky to be able right. to do And it's like, in a sense, like, I can't say, like, I would rather have it the way that it is now than not. But it's also like, why do we place so much emphasis on everything that they're doing? Why do we set that as the gold standard norm? What about creating new norms that are inclusive for all people that make more sense? Well, you, I mean, that's the problem. When when we integrated, we we weren't aware of what we had in our communities. You know, mm-hmm. when you talk about black people trying to go to white movie theaters, trying to go to white train stations or whatever white business you can think of. Pre, pre-civil rights movement, you know, we had all that stuff on our own. You know, it wasn't of the same quality, but that that's because of economics. Even with schools, I am I have written papers, done speeches mm-hmm. about about how black schools in the past, um, like the problem. I think as we when I as we grow up, you know, we're kind of taught that like. Um, MLK saved black people because because black kids could go to school with white kids, right. you know. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, like it's it's cool. I, that was my experience, especially in high school. But at the same time, we that that makes it seem like our schools were inferior, right? And it's, and they weren't inferior because they were black. They were inferior because they weren't as funded. Yeah. In in black rednecks and white liberals, right there, Thomas Sowell talks about um, talks about the great black schools of that era. And how and how good they were. I'm like, damn. Like, I have. Why have I never heard of Dunbar High School in, in D.C.? You know, it's right. it, you know, it's it's like it's not it's not what it it's not what it used to be from what I've heard. But but back but back then it was a powerhouse f- for putting out black leaders and intellect and intellectuals and you know just black members of higher of higher um higher authority I guess. 
And um, I've, I've never heard of those schools. Like um, he said, another another school we had was uh, St. Augustine in New Orleans, which was put out the was put out the first black presidential scholar. Really? Yeah, in the in the South. This is in the South. So you know that you know they was not trying to give him that stuff. But what I'm trying to say is, we weren't aware of what we had, and you know, you know, integration. You know, it's cool. This it's been our reality for us right. for long we as long as we've been alive because you know it happened way before we were born. But at the same time, we didn't we didn't appreciate what what we had, and a lot of our businesses failed. They all you know like I, I remember in my intro to mass communications class. Um, I I wrote about um can't remember his name but he he ran a Chicago newspaper a black Chicago newspaper mm-hmm. it was one of the biggest it was one of the biggest media like black media um outlets in the in the country it, I think it was the biggest one mm-hmm. but in 1964 it it eventually it, it collapsed mm-hmm. because and he and he he retired but it collapsed because white people started getting black people to cover the civil rights stories and that that company didn't have enough money to um to continue so then you know we lost our media mm. you know, we, we don't we don't own any media today right there's, 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 so there's no media for us control and domination within the white community they're able to manipulate these things and say okay well i have the capability to offer you more money if you work for my newspaper and then obviously exactly. people are going to take the more money right, right. Exactly. so and, and that's kind of to your point. I don't know if it's that they didn't appreciate what they had enough. It's just that we never had the power to say, this is what we have, and this is how we're going to keep it, and this is how we're going to evolve it. It was always taken from us. Mm-hmm. No matter yes. how much we evolved, no matter how much we put out there and, and did better, like it was always taken from us. Right. Yes. And that's one of the things that makes it hard to... Um, people always talk about like buying from black-owned businesses and stuff like that. Yeah, it's cool, but fifty years ago they didn't have to promote that. Right, it was right. It, it was in their community, so right. they just did it. And it's also like promoting capitalism, which further promotes a divide within classes. Like, I mean, what if we keep the money circulating within? Well, like, socialism. I don't. I don't know because we have to create a plan. Like, of course, we've been excluded from the economy, and it's we have numbers to. And experiences to really what's the word I'm looking for sorry I'm having a brain freeze anyway but like even if we do create our own system and have our own black economy how I don't think nobody's really questioned like except for Marcus Garvey like he created a black economic plan but like my question is if we keep that money circling, would it still be considered like capitalism if we're only buying within our circle? I mean, is like it, it's that like black a capitalism. I don't know because it's like mm. I, think I need you and you need me. Right. Like you make I don't know you make cars and I fix them. Yeah, I mean it's always it's inherent in human nature that we're gonna barter with each other like. Right. No matter what system we have, capitalism, socialism, I'm always going to have something that you need. You're always going to have something that I need. It makes sense that we just swap with each other. But it's when it becomes so, like, institutionalized and when it becomes kind of dominated by a certain group who can make up the rules and then the people who... Exactly. It's exploitation. 
when the people below have to basically are the ones doing the work to satisfy whoever's making the rules, that's when it becomes an inequality. And I think, I mean, I, I think that there does need to be a new kind of solution to this, but we have to start with values really. Like Principles. what is what is our goals? Like why, what is it that we want to have for people who are in this system, right? We want them to have access to the basic needs to survive, housing, food, water, things like that. Right. All right, so then how can we build off that? What can we do for each other? If I know how to plant stuff and you know how to build homes, how can we help each other in a way that's equal, right? Because you're not better than me because you can build homes, right. and I'm not better than you because I can grow food. Right. We need each other. We do. Mm -hmm. So like, how can we build these systems, essentially, to, to manage it? Because obviously there needs to be some sort of like management so things are going right but also maintain like the, I guess, equity across people, if that makes sense. It definitely starts with, I think organization needs principle and instruction. Like we have to have a clear understanding of everybody doing their part, right. you know? Like it, it doesn't have to do with hierarchy. Like are you doing what you have to do because I need you and you need me? Yeah. It's like, I am because of you. Right. And and it's funny that you say that because that's a lot of the argument against socialism is, well, people are just going to be lazy and, you know, right. rich off of other people. Well, it's like if the, I guess, the will to do is to survive, <laughs> like people are going to put in the work some way or another because if they don't, they're just going to die. Yeah. Like that's really just what happens. Um but yeah, there needs to be some sort of like stabilizer that that controls all of it. Um, and I think that's where the question mark comes in. Like how do we how do we manage this in a way that all people are equal, all people are getting what they need, all people are, you know, everything is distributed equally among people. People are putting in, you know, the same amount of work and people are getting the same results and people are, you know, these kinds of things. Um See, I don't know. Here's the thing: like, does everybody want that though? Exactly. I mean, it's the only way we can get out of this system. This, this system has failed us. But then we have to think about why. Why do people want more? You know, why do I want Greed. excess? Greedy, right? If I have a home like this and I can live comfortably in here, why would I want something three times bigger than this just for myself? I'm not saying that you can't want that because I, I want it, right? I do but it's like, it. why do I want it? What, what, what has kind of indoctrinated me to think that if I have something bigger, that it's better? I think that's kind of um, human nature. Not, not, not the aspect of like of greed, but just wanting something More, else, right? Like More, upgrading, right? Upgrading, you and know, that's you totally fine. I think that it's like you said, it's in our nature to constantly want more, but at what cost? What is the I guess the ethics behind it, like how how far am I willing to put you down to get what I want? You know, like that's but do what we it gotta was. put each other down. Exactly. Like, how can we build together? How can we, we make only sure that we're know all this? This I feel like this system was only created because of exploitation and marginalization. Mm -hmm. That's all we know. You know, because people wanted money. People wanted to have the freedom to not have to work. 
And what do you do when you don't want to work? You hire people to do the work for you. Right. You make all the rules. You make all of the conditions. You say, this is how much you're getting paid. This is how much work you're going to do. But I'm going to reap all of the benefits from all of your labor. See, I feel like if the Europeans sat down and created this plan, why can't we do the same? <laughs> like, I mean, it has happened in the past. But I feel like the only reason why it failed is because... The white man needs to take away that leadership. When you said like, the past, what are you, what are you referring to? UNIA, NAACP. Like, it's groups that have sat down. But I feel like the only reason why is because, like, they want to take our natural leadership away. Like, either we're killed, we're put in jail. I think you brought up business ventures. Like, when you get appointment to a higher position, you just forget about it. Mm-hmm. And political too. I mean, yeah, man, you talk about y'all yeah, talking about Black Wall Street earlier. There's there's um that um there's also Wilmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. eighteen ninety nine, um Rose Roseville, Indiana, um Springfield, uh I think Massachusetts or Illinois, I don't remember which Springfield, one. Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's three. And there, there are two other black communities that I that I can't think of that that were destroyed by mm-hmm. by white people because right. you know. That's the I same feel like black Washington, now it would be it. different though. Yeah, like, it would exactly. And now it's time to really create the redo it but, and like reform, but, reorganize. But the problem is we're not all together anymore. I mean, I feel like it only takes like. I think the the issue too is. It's a great idea to want to reintegrate with our own people, but it's it kind of goes back to the values and like what are we will what are we going to prioritize? Because if I if all three of us have the capacity to do this right and we go out and do it, but you know this person is less qualified, less developed, whatever, and they still want to be part of this, to what degree can we say yes or no? You can be part of it? like who is the I guess dictator of yes, this is gonna happen and this is what we're gonna do. Who's the executor? Who's the director? How do we even make that decision? Mm-hmm. Maybe it has to be like a a monkey see monkey do situation. Like we gotta have like and I feel like it starts with our generation and the ones to come. Like we like I said, it has to really do about like perception and how much they're exposed to. So like we need to advocate for the, the youngins to get put in schools. Because, like, I to feel like educated. to be educated, simple. I wouldn't be talking about this if I didn't go to Howard, yeah. you know? Like, I wouldn't even have this conversation or mental capacity if I didn't have the education behind it. Right. You know? So, put these kids in school. It really is going to take time. It will. It's going to take it time. It's, I don't know, it's just so many. It's like, where, where do you start? Where do you I start? think we that's are starting. We we started. Thing. We right. started. Right, and I'm like black people are like more and more black people are waking up. They so are. It's like I guess happening is very very slowly. Like I'm seeing friends. Like one of my homies, like he saw Powernomics on my desk. And he was like, "Oh, Powernomics." You know, <laughs> like, like that made me happy because right. I'm like, people are seeing. Right, like, monkey see, monkey like, do. You know, people people are seeing. You know, it's just slowly happening, but you know, it has to eventually. You know, can trickle down. You know, yeah. it's the educated. You know, then have to teach. You know, the, the uneducated and the uneducated go and get educated, right. you know, and then, you know, they teach everybody else. You know, it's it's just, it's hard. You know, it's hard to That's do. That's the only way. But, but one of the problems um, in our community that Thomas Sowell actually talks about is um, 
our anti-intellectual mindset mm-hmm. amongst black people, especially especially in the lower classes. You know, like um, I'm I've always say to my friends that I'm thankful that I went to that I went to private school when I was younger, but also but specifically black like black black private school. Like my mm-hmm. private school is like pretty much like a little HBCU. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, you, know, you you know hella people like Mike, Michael, Akil, Fela, you know, all all of them. And when I was younger, I was like, I was really smart. Like, I knew everything about about history, about about the U.S. history, like everything. They used to call me history buff when I was a little kid. <laughs> but, and I was celebrated for it. You know, I was celebrated in my class. Like when I was in second grade, my music teacher used to ask me, "Oh, which war was that? Like, who was the president then?" I'm like, it's like that. You know, and I used to feel so good about myself. But I th- I feel like if I went to a public school, I might have gotten bullied for that shit. Definitely. Definitely. And and I and I would have and I would have stopped pursuing that that um i would have lost that fire to like keep going like all, all the books that i have you know it's it's because because people like my, my okay. family my friends like it's your peer group, you know they, they they help motivate me like a kill when we was like in second grade he was reading my fucking president's books with me no way uh, him, him and our other friends they were like they was reading it with me in the, in the lunchroom and they thought it was interesting as well it's trickling down you know and so that made me think oh this is cool let me keep learning learning is fun right. uh, a lot of a lot of boys especially black boys don't get that positive reinforcement mm-hmm. when they're smart because i know i know dudes who went to public schools you know who grew up in the hood and and they like they tell me about their friends who were smart and then they got bullied for it mm-hmm. and then and now and now you no. know and they're not really doing anything right. because because that fire that was that was there for them was put out by, mm-hmm. by their friends have y'all seen the meme um miller grove like Oh, 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 that nigga reading the book. <laughs> Only at Miller Grove. Like, y- y'all know what I'm talking about? I know. <laughs> but, like, it's... I can visualize it. it. It's a, like, it was like a, like a black kid sitting on the stairs reading a book. And it was like, oh, this nigga reading the book. Only at Miller Grove, which is the name of a, a middle school. I don't know where the hell Miller Grove is. But the point is, he was made fun of because he was reading a book. Facts. You know? Facts. Because cause learning learning isn't isn't cool. It isn't. It's not cool, you know? You look it's not fashionable. Nerd. It's not fashionable, you know? So it's like that's that's definitely one of the obstacles that when it comes to um, teaching each other, we have to we have to make learning, you know, I don't know, cool, fun. We need to teach black well, kids about our history, yeah. so they can actually like realize their relevance in the history classes that that they're being that they're being inst- um, instructed in. We I need to because... sorry, we need to create our own curriculum right. around black history, culture, and pride. Like I feel like I don't know, like. The education system has changed over time, but they're straying away from our roots, and that's what's making it unfashionable. Well, it's because education, in order for people to be engaged, it has to apply to them in their personal life in some Mm -hmm. aspect. It's like, you can tell me all this American history, but if I can't find a direct correlation between how knowing all of this stuff affects me and my life, I'm not going to care about it. Like That's why I don't really, I'm not interested in math, because... I don't use math like it's not it's not something that like I feel connected to but you know philosophy on the other hand like I enjoy reading books I enjoy reading you know different kinds of works about stuff like I find a way to connect that back to my life so it's more enjoyable and so kind of to your point of creating that curriculum I feel like it has to be not individual centered because you want to teach multiple people right 
but it definitely has to be engaging in the way that how can I take this knowledge and apply it in my everyday life? Right. How can I take what I just learned from this teacher and like even just think about how it connects to something else, right? Um, yeah. I feel like it's like learning skills that can be to our benefit when we leave school. Like I feel like learning math is important. Like I'm gonna need to learn how to add up my, my money. Like, you feel what I'm saying? But it's also, too, like, it's not just important to be educated because there's a lot of smart people. Right. But they just, they don't do anything with it. It's what you do with that knowledge. Right. It's working smart, not hard. Like, how am I using this knowledge to my advantage or to the advantage of my people rather than just consuming knowledge? Because if I'm not applying it, if I'm not actually doing something with what I know, it's pretty much useless right i'm not gonna lie that's one of the reasons why i read so much so i can talk about it on my podcast <laughs> yeah like it, it, it motivates me mm-hmm. and it motivates me to want to keep to keep reading like when i when i pick up these books i'm in i think in the back of my head i want to talk about this i want yeah. to teach people what i've been learning yep. you know because like it's it's bigger than me i'm not i'm not reading poweronomics for myself I, what am i going to do by myself uh, with poweronomics right well what am i going to do like, miseducation of the negro what am i going to do by you know it's I think like that book is fire when it comes to education because it, it applies to Howard so much. Like like the things that we learn, it doesn't apply as much because the book was written ninety years ago, but it still applies heavily with how with how this how we go about things in our life and how just the mis- apply it. Yeah, the mis- just miseducation. A lot of a lot of us have been miseducated. Very much. You know? But then it, and I'm about to get deep with this. But <laughs> how does this? Like, how do we know what's true? How do we know that this is every day? <laughs> but it's like, how do I know what I'm telling you right now is the right answer? Is there a right answer? Like those, I feel like those are constructs, you know? Mm. I, I mean, like it's about who has the best right answer. It's not even that. It, it has to do with power too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like most of our information comes from the white teacher. And the white teacher gets their information from the white man. But, I mean, even beyond that, like, that's true. But beyond that, like, how do I know that, you know, and this is, like, crazy, but this is just a crazy example. How do I know that unifying the black community and creating a stronger community is the right way to go? You have to kind of base that off of experience. Like, if we know that the black family is broken and my mom is poor and like it has to do with everything that's outside of school mm-hmm. because like you said like if it doesn't really it's not going to really click until you know you're able to relate to it yeah i think this might be a problem of language too though oh yeah because it's like well what does broken mean you know how yeah. are we defining broken my mm-hmm. perspective of broken might be very different than yours mm-hmm. and so we think that i might think oh it's fine like there's nothing broken about it but you think this is clearly broken so it's like how do we know who's right in this scenario like i don't know i feel like you just got epistemology um i don't know I, sometimes you don't you don't know i think you just gotta do and kind of and kind of see what happens see, like right. do because i mean every point in history no one has ever like known for a fact like i mean the white man probably had no idea how much capitalism was going to help him right. yeah but 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 he did it he did it and, it, and it's i mean it's worked out for him 
So, oh, wait, sorry to cut you off, yeah, but no, with no. the words as well, I feel like I think um, Shahrazad spoke about this. Oh, man. But the American dialect is not rooted in the black man's experience. Like, hence why we have slang. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a way of saying things and. I feel like I feel like the American dialect is clearly based off like Europeans and mm-hmm. you know a combination of different groups. Right. But like it's interesting cuz mm-hmm. I was reading about language the other day and like the roots of language and like a lot of especially in French like a lot of the words like their real root meanings are just like Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline feelings put into a word, Yes. Right? So it's like, if I've never been able to feel this before, right. how can I, like, conceptualize this in my own experience? How do I even know what, like, we never know what other people are perceiving or feeling, like, these are kind of just overgeneralizations of those Boom. things. You know and what she, sorry to cut you off, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but you know what she said? She said, I think she said 35% of, um, like, what we're saying, like, 35% has to do with like body language and tone. Mm -hmm. 7% has to do with like what we're saying. So like words, it's not even the words, it's the energy that comes with it. Absolutely. Like words are powerful. And it's like, since the American dialect doesn't have to do with the black man, it's like the energy, it's like an energy imbalance, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, It's as simple as the words, like even us talking right now, this is powerful energy. We're able to understand each other because we're almost like on a collective consciousness. It's the experience, right. you know. If I'm, if I just start having this conversation with somebody on the street, it's like they may be able to follow, but they're not going to like understand, yeah, and comprehend because this is just not where they're at right now. Right. Right. It's not, and it's, it takes a level to get there. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I mean, not everybody just can't hop and start reading paranomics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that you can just hop in and do. Everybody's not Hon- ready. Honestly, I don't know if I can do it. I've, mm-hmm. I'm about like, like halfway through the book. And sometimes, sometimes I feel like, I don't know if I should know this yet. Same. I think the same thing. Because I'm not at a point to like do anything about That's it. That's why we are like wearing so many books right now. Because like, yeah, we're going to have to cut it here. Because like now my mind is thinking, now I have to see how this shit plays out. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. It's about applying it. Right. Like I'm, I've kind of more, a reason why I started reading this education again is because I want to start learning. I want, I want to learn more. Because Powernomics, when I, when I read it, it's more like an instruction manual, yeah. you know. Mm. It's like an instruction manual. It's not as much I'm learning, cause I I would consider myself a disciple of Dr. Claude Anderson, and <laughs> I, I know I know a lot of his talking points. I know I really know what he what he believes in, and and I've read like I haven't I've never finished a Dr. Claude book, but I've I've read a lot of I've read a lot of Thanks. of his books, and. I, I just know what he's talking about, and when I, and when I read it, sometimes it gets kind of it gets kind of redundant because like 
I I know it. Not not saying Dr. Claude is redundant. You know, it's just like for, for me personally, I needed to go to something else because because I'm not ready to. I need to go back. Mm-hmm. May, like me going back could be in like a month or two. You know, I don't I don't know. It's yeah, not. It's it don't gotta be year. no. It don't gotta be no years <laughs> type thing. You know, I just want to like like Black Rednecks. That's a book that I that I learned a lot. Like I'm I'm learning. I'm performing something different in my mind. Like mental education. I'm. I'm learning. It's it's like learning. I just it's like, like things you didn't know. It's things yes, things yeah. I didn't know. But and now the things that you do know, it's like you kind of have to like reroute yourself. Right. Like this is like instruction on what to do because you clearly didn't know what to do. Exactly. And it's also like it goes back to what I was saying before. It's great to be educated, but what do you do with that education is really what matters. Like if you read all these books and you know all these things, Facts. wonderful. But if you're not actively Fine. applying them into your life. And that's why, you know, I think it is important to read these things when you're ready because you have all this information, but you're not willing to make that step or you don't even know, like, how to start. Then it's like, I don't I don't I can't say you were better off not knowing it, but like, clearly it didn't change much at that time. You know, sometimes these books plant seeds mm-hmm. like most of the books that I'm reading now are hella hard and it's only because like the mental capacity isn't there but like over time it'll start to make sense because yeah. that seed was already planted right, right. you know now it's like blossoming i've been watering it unconsciously mm-hmm. you feel me but books are powerful no, that's why um the um the man not by tommy curry it's a book about black like the dilemmas of black manhood in america and that book is very hard to read I, I had to stop. I had to stop, and I was like, I need to stop for a while. Thanks. Because like, the vocabulary in that book was just, it was too much. See, that's the I, issue I, that I have with, like, academias. I feel like sometimes it's very, like, elitist, and it's almost trying to be, like, gatekeepy. Like, oh, very you much. can't understand these giant words that literally mean, like, but or the. It's like, so simple, bro. It's very simple. Right. But in order to be respected, you have to speak a certain... It goes back to Definitely. that, like... Professionalism. Professionalism. Elitism. This elitism, like, you have to present yourself in a certain way to be regarded as, you know, knowledgeable or credible or things like... And part of me understands it. It's like... Obviously, there's a reason why I can't just write a book and publish it and, like, have everyone see it because how I haven't put in the work. Like, I haven't done the research. I haven't devoted my life to this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I should be able to want to learn about these complex subjects and not feel, like, ostracized because I don't know this giant vocabulary, right? We need more black authors. No, that's that's what I love about Katana. So his books, like, the, the ideas in them are crazy like things i haven't heard before but it's simple he, very simple like, he, he writes in a very like and he it's purposeful because mm-hmm. he wants people to understand what he's talking about yeah and you don't have to you don't need like you don't need a degree that's in order to understand some people want to be understood while some people just they do it for their own ego like i want to sound smart i want to be smart right right and i'm not saying i'm not saying tommy curry wrote you know every like a book of that level where you're talking about the concept that he's talking about, you're gonna have to use a lot of big words to, to talk about. Because, but for for me, I personally didn't think I cannot read this right now. Because if I if I'm reading it, I'm gonna be not really reading it because I'm not gonna understand. Right. I really want I want to understand when I'm reading. I want to be able to 
I, I was reading his book. You guys see, like, I like taking notes in my books. I, that's a book I want to take notes in. But I get to the end of a chapter or a section, I'm like, I do not know what I just read. Do you reread a lot? Um, cause I do. yeah, cause I be having to reread sentences, chapters, slowly. Yes, like, word by word. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I do reread a lot. I do, I do. Man. That's the one thing I struggle with is like I just want to power through books. The and quickness. Like, but why do I want to like I, I? It's almost like I want to be able to say I read ten books this week, right. but I don't know a damn thing about what I just like. You read. just want to show it off, <laughs> right? It's engraved in us. To be slow. It's engraved. That's one of the things. I was, like this week, I really, um, I've really been trying to add some more focus to my life i've been like i'm saying i need to get up earlier so i can have more time to read because i've been looking up dudes like bill gates like he said he read like like 50 books a year you know i'm, I'm i want to and I, I was looking up like successful people and how much they read mm-hmm. they all read a lot they all read you know a lot. that's that's what i want to be at but i also you're want, already there but i also want to understand what i'm reading i don't right. want to just because they're like to read. you know there are like um habits to like like speed reading and stuff like mm-hmm. that but I really want to. I really want to take in what I read. Like there are some books I have in my catalog that I truly, deeply want to understand. Mm-hmm. Like this is one of those books, Black, Red, and White Liberals. That's why there are so many notes in there. Mm-hmm. Like it's filled with notes because I wanted to understand every single thing he was talking about. And me writing it helped me remember just a little more. And talking Same. about it helps me understand it as well. And another thing, we talking about books planting seeds. Something that books do. Like I talked to my roommate about this. He was saying that. Reading is such an important thing to do in your pastime because yes. although although you might not remember everything you read, some some of those words and thoughts they'll come they're back to you when they're needed. They're yes, they're, they're, they're in your subconscious now. You know, it's something that you've seen. You've seen it, so it's in your brain. Mm-hmm. It's in your brain somewhere. And when that time comes, when you need that information, it might come out. You don't even oh, realize you know it right. until it comes out. I've right. noticed that so many times when it comes to history. That was like that. That was that was like that. 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 like Oh no, but that other book I was reading last week said the same thing. But then that other book that I skimmed through real quick said the same thing. And it's like, it's like a big ass, it's like all interconnected. And that's kind of what I was saying. Like, how does this apply? apply Because who are you listening to? We were talking about, I forget exactly what we were talking about, but I remember you were talking about something. Yeah, like. The creation of white people or something. And yeah, the sign. I've been reading about determinism. And like, <laughs> so, like, when I read it, I'm like, this does not make any sense. No. But then when you started talking, I swear, I, I like, could not shut scene. up. I was like, damn, I didn't realize I knew all that. But it's like, when you're able to, determinism, it's basically saying, like, all of the events in your life are predetermined. Because I'm trying to, to tell you it's related. Like, Wait, what? for us to be here right now, we have to get in the car to drive here. And for that to happen, Sharon had to drive to my house. And for that to happen, Sharon had to buy a car we, in the first place. The like, man, all of these, Sharon had to know me. Right. The man like, already had a plan before he came. Chain, yeah, there's a casual chain of events. And if this event happens, the only, or the only outcome, I'm sorry, I'm getting myself mixed up. The For this event to happen, there had to have been this event in the sequence, right? 
if she would have never picked me up, I wouldn't be here right now. Mm-hmm. The timeline that was already created. It was already created, but we think it, it's the like problem with free will. Like we think we have free will. We think we're free to do all. Do you want to talk things. about that? Oh no, we cannot. We're get not that. ready to talk we, about we, that. We cannot get into that conversation right now. We can talk about that. Nah, that's we a whole other episode. It's like that mental capacity. It's like we got to connect all those books we're reading because it's can like I all get, the like, same. Can I get like a little introduction? I mean, essentially, the Black Lotus listeners need to hear. It's essentially <laughs> this is what our podcast man, is for. I write I'm notes and I'm looking at my, right I'm writing, writing notes and write because it's a lot to it's uncover. Like, and there's so many different perspectives too, and that's why I don't really want to like speak on it fully same, yet because I'm still trying to develop okay. like my we own can't. perspective. Valid, it's like, but that. it's like we know a lot, but it's a lot to learn. Right. Yeah. And, and, like, from what I know, obviously, I'm going to be biased in my explanation Very of it much. from what I've read. And it's, like, I want to really get a holistic... I want to hear the argument against it. I want right. to hear the argument for it. I want to hear, like, the neutral argument to really kind of decide what makes sense. But it has that. to resonate. I feel that a lot of times I don't like to, to talk about certain ideas because mm-hmm. I haven't seen the mm-hmm. differing opinion. Mm-hmm. I need to see I need to see all but before I before I make it my own idea. A lot of time with some books, some ideas I have been predisposed to my whole life mm-hmm. and when I find something different I was like, all right, this is what I want to believe now. Right. Relates to the idea of truth that I was talking about. It's like how do I know that you know, if somebody presents me with both arguments, I'm pretty much at will to choose which argument makes more sense. And then that is my truth. But that might, that might not be your the, truth. It might not it even might be the be truth. The truth right? right? So then it's like, is truth even re- Like, how, what is how truth? much of our world is subjective versus objective? It's objective that we have a sun in the sky. Right. And it's there every single day. But like... Is the sun really there? And do we like right. we just m- name the sun? Is the we just sky decided, blue, green, or purple? We just decided. Oh, we see this thing in the sky. Let's name it the sun, and everybody's just gonna. Abl- if one day somebody was like, "Yeah, we're not gonna call the sun the sun anymore. We're gonna call it the the moon," right? Like, that's not true. Clearly, People think the. I think ah, just because shit is normal doesn't mean that it makes sense. Like that's where we limit ourselves and we create these blockages to learn norms. We do. And that creates it's like we're restricted. Well, norms I think are a form of power. Like it's Mm -hmm. being able to say that because you don't do things or you don't look like me or you don't act like me, you're different. And I I don't want to say that it's always hierarchical because I don't think that it is. Like you might just be different and that's the end of that. But you know, it's not, for example, normal to wear our hair like mm-hmm. in afros at the workplace or something like that. Mm. Because professionalism is down, it's straight, it's tamed, whatever. But it's that's how my hair grows. That's natural. That's what it does. Right. Like, how is that not normal? But it's I normal think, because somebody set that standard right, and said, I "This is how you're gonna do it," and you're we wrong. We need for not norms, doing it this though. Way. Like, where will we be without that foundation? Yeah. You know, and that comes from, like, your mission as well. Like, who are you as a person? How can you resonate with this norm? If yeah. you don't, then you know to branch outward and, you know, find your way because you know I agree. I agree that we, we need norms. We do. I think that the execution of power power in control. Norms, yeah, the domination. Yeah, cut that out. It's just like... <laughs> 
but that's also like is that inevitable in human nature like mm-hmm. are we just dominative creatures like do we just there i feel like there's a hierarchy and i don't know if i was talking to you about it. i was talking to somebody but there's a hierarchy and that's just kind of inevitable but how do we make this hierarchy like how do i say this like almost equal in a sense you know it's kind of it's instead of a pyramid it's circular right, right. that's what you i was need, saying with that circular money right like it everybody's doing their part right like you need is that really capitalism the hawk, the hawk is that you know if we're looking at a triangle the hawk is at the top right and i don't know what hawks eat but i'm assuming they eat like bugs or like animals right. or some like shit birds. right mm-hmm. and then the birds eat the bugs and the bugs eat the grass and then the grass grows from the light right so it's a hierarchy because the hawk eats all of this but it's circular. Without the grass, you can't have the bugs. Without the bugs, Everybody's you can't playing have their role. Right. right. But there are animals who are at the top. Absolutely. Let's talk about the animals because, like, we are all mammals pretty much. Well, what is but the But, like, I think. The most powerful. <clears throat> the one who can kill everybody. But they. So power is determined on, like, physical attributes is what you're saying that differs well in i say i say in the animal kingdom i think it's more it's more based on physical attributes Mm -hmm. who who can who can survive the longest basically pretty much yeah who can preserve themselves for the longest who can preserve their race or their species animals are unified though like then that i mean i agree with that like i totally see that that makes sense mm -hmm. but it's also it that's where the like the domination comes in because I can preserve myself longer. I'm better, therefore, like I have, the, I can disrespect you because I'm better than you. I can mm-hmm. live longer than you. Like I, if it, if it's between, you know, me surviving or me killing you to survive, I'm gonna kill you to survive. Right. So that's mm. that's kind of like the dilemma there. Mm. I don't know because I feel like the animal that's at the top. He's gonna protect his whole community. Us mm-hmm. black people, we're fighting amongst each other. Yeah, it's like we're plotting, planning against each other. Right. We don't have that protection amongst each other. We don't. Mm-mm. That's thinking, how we differ. I was thinking about that earlier. Because uh, we're individuals. I was. Yeah. We're greedy. Quote unquote. We are. I. I think it's. I don't know. There's. There's so many different things that 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 feed into into how we treat each other. And I mean, I was talking to my one friend about this. He was talking about all of black people's problems. A lot, a lot of them are attributed back to slavery. Yes, you know? psychological. You know, and when you talk about us fighting against each other, I mean, that's that's kind of. Hey, that, wait! Didn't you bring up that T thing? Yeah, the vertical integration. Yeah, like we're all fighting at the bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that yeah. was powerful. Yeah, yeah, horizontal and um, um, horizontal. Uh, uh, I don't want to get the book out. I looked out. it up too. I don't, um, damn, <laughs> <laughs> I hate when I don't remember things that I read. Oh God, it's the last thing I I I can think of it in my head. I, I'm pretty sure I struggled with this in the podcast that I talked about. I, it took me a while to. But organize your thoughts. Um, I do not want to get that book right now. I, I'm looking at it. Oh, but I don't want to get it out. No, I'm gonna remember. Horizontal. Um, whatever, whatever it is. Basically, black people. We. If okay, think of think of an upside down T, right? Mm-hmm. We're in like and the line at the bottom where where the where the where the usual top of the T is. It's at the bottom now. We're all at the bottom fighting. 
when when we need to be acting like a T, going building all our resources up and then spreading them at the top, right? Like a T, but instead we're doing it the opposite way. You know, we we have it all backwards. But um, where does that come from? Where does it come from? Yeah, like does it? You said slavery. No, no, no. Well, well, well. Yeah, like like what is the reasoning behind that? Well, the reason why is because we've been we've been taught to kind of like we. It's, it's like it talked about this in the Willie Lynch um, theory, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that Willie Lynch wasn't a real person, but I really doesn't think that. I don't think that matters because the <laughs> ideas and the and the tactics that slave masters used to divide slaves were very real. Mm-hmm. You know, one in the house, one in the field, light skin, it's dark skin. Yeah. It goes men, back to women. domination. You can, you can basically. I, have y'all ever seen? Um, it's a show on Netflix. It's called How to Become a Tyrant. Or something like oh, that. Oh, you did tell me about that. Uh, about? I'm um, not ready for it. How to become a tyrant, essentially. Mm-hmm. It, ta- it it focuses on like some of the most powerful leaders in history, like Hitler, Stalin, and there are some other names. What do they all have in common? Remember. Yeah, like all of the things that they have in common. And one what of do the they things, have in common? A lot. <laughs> but one of the things is in order to basically grab the attention of a group and have kind of like a herd mentality, you have to... Show them that they're separate from, you know, show them that this is a threat to you. And mm-hmm. this is why we should ban. It's fear, essentially. Mm. You have to show them you're better than them. Like, let's get together and prove that we're better than them. Let's get together and fight this that mm. we are not. Because mm-hmm. we're not that. This is a threat to us. That's exactly what Hitler did. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what he did. Wow. That's exactly, that's that's a form of, like, that's a way to establish power. They take the to... weak and confuse. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it has to do with numbers too. Like, well, yeah, that's how you get those numbers. Is you tell people, okay, look, you are different. Like, you make them feel special, essentially. Like, oh, like you're not like them. You know, you're not poor. Like, you you have it together. Like, right. they shouldn't be asking you for money. Like. They should be the ones working hard. They should be, you know, doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. You're better than them. Like, mm-hmm. come with me and, like, let's let's basically, like, exercise this betterness or this power together. Right. Who are we listening to? Kevin mm-hmm. Trudeau. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so interesting. Fear. That's so fear. Fear, fear is, is a is powerful, powerful tool. tool. Super powerful, super powerful. That makes me think of the 48 laws. Like, yeah. a lot of, I mean, a lot of the, um, like he brings up examples, uh, some a popular trope in this book. He brings up like a lot of um, this powerful people who who used like what, whatever law he was talking about intimidation to to reach oh, to yeah. reach whatever to reach whatever um, law of power he's talking about in the book. It's all psychological. Like it, is. it makes me think that you know, as much as I don't like the biological determinism argument, because I feel like there's just it's a way for people to validate like, oh, I have these genetics, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. But I think that to some degree, like, there are things about our human nature that are just like, like, we need love. Like, if we're not held when we're born, we die. Maybe we should talk about that, kind of like transfer it to, because we've just been pointing out all our flaws. Let's point out what we should, how we can incorporate, incorporate love to really get out of this psychological slavery that we're all stuck in. I feel like it starts with. I Let's talk say, about the mind, body, soul. 
I want to say loving yourself, but mm. it's like, it's hard to say that because I think of it from the point of, not conception, but I guess birth. Like, I don't even, I don't, I'm not even aware of my existence. So how can I love myself? Or I'm relying on my parents and other people to love me. And so you're, me. you're born? Yeah. Okay. And so, you know... It, come, it starts from other people, unconditional love, right? Because then once you turn one, two, three, and you knock over that glass of water, it's like, well, you, you have a consciousness now. You should know better not to knock over that water. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to punish you, and you're not going to receive this unconditional love. Like, the love starts to become <clears throat> conditional. conditional over time. I mean, I feel like that has to do with, like, discipline. How so? Because you kind of need, like, the do's and don'ts to figure out this life. I get that, but I feel like even if I make this mistake, that shouldn't impede on, you know, how much I'm loved, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Definitely, I agree. Like, I can knock over this bottle of water and spill it everywhere. But my love hasn't changed. But my love, because that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, that's how I'm supposed to learn, like... I think it's patience. It's empathy. Empathy is a big thing that, you know, I think that's kind of the piece that we're missing Mm -hmm. is empathy for each other Mm -hmm. because we've been kind of, I guess, trained to have this very individualistic, like, you have to put in the work. You're alone in this world. No one's going to help you. Like, you got to get it all figured out. Like, don't ever rely on, like, a very cold, like, we're social creatures. We're, we The way we survive is with other people. Yes. And if we're constantly told, oh, you you know, you know, have to do this by yourself, you have to figure it out, like it turns people cold and people are like, oh, well, I got to do me first. Right. And to an extent, yes. Like if I'm not, you know, physically, that comes with boundaries, though. Right. Mentally ready to help you, like none of us are going to be helped, right? So in a sense, I do have to make sure that I'm getting what I need. But... I feel like there's there's still a parallel there between I'm getting what I need and helping you get what you need, which helps me get what I need too, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess, it, like you were saying, it comes down to boundaries, it comes down to empathy, it comes down to just our perspective on the people around us, realizing that we're all, you know, as different as we are, like, we're all humans. <laughs> like, we're all in this bitch. Like, we're all, we don't know what we're doing here, like, we're just here, so let's try to, like, help each other figure it out, right. you know? But it, not everybody has that perspective. And I guess that's the question is, where is that disconnect? Why is that disconnect happening? How do we bridge that gap? I think um, I, that, that, was, that was beautiful. Like, that was. It, it, made me, it made me think of, like, in the past few months, I've really became, I've, I don't know if it's maturing or just, like, thinking about the world differently. I always try to, like, I be really, I try to remember, like, everybody is a, human mm-hmm. you know i try to when i think of things i try to think of myself in that person's view because mm-hmm. i i am experiencing reality we're all experiencing reality and we're all looking at something mm-hmm. you know a lot of time we forget that people are humans and just go through things and have thoughts and every day as everyday life you know we're all experiencing our own thing and we tend to forget you know that's why we treat people bad because mm-hmm. we don't care about what they're going through on a day-to-day basis we we never ever see anybody else alone. We don't see what anybody else does in their free time. Right. Like we don't. I don't know what. I don't know what both of y'all do in y'all free time. And y'all don't know. Y'all don't know what each other do in y'all in y'all free time. You know, it's like 
it's kind of crazy. It's um, like we have our own separate reality. Right. It's like we're in our right. own. We're the main characters. It's our own yeah. separate reality. <laughs> it's our, literally our own separate reality. And um, that kind of made me think to what um our conversation earlier about the um about the black family. I it, it came it came back to me. I was gonna talk about like individualism mm-hmm. and, and how and how that is. Let's um, talk about it. And how that's um very very uh, big in our society now, like. Because it started in the 1960s, like like just a mindset towards like this um, an individual like me, something that's that became very prominent in the 1960s, and that's kind of when you start to notice like marriage rates kind of you know, kind of start to drop a little mm-hmm. bit because because families weren't in it as much for the family anymore; they were in it for each other and mm-hmm. their own personal happiness. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not I'm not saying that's that's a good or a bad thing. That's just the reality of the situation. Right. That's why marriage is. Marriage, like like broken broken families and marriages, it's not just a black thing. The thing about a lot it's of black it's it's an institutional thing because marriages. If fail. I marry you, I get tax, I get all these benefits right. that I would. It's the business. Know, it's right. It's right. the it's the, I guess the institutional piece that kind of separates like what a a a bond or a relationship between two people is. Right. You know, I feel like it's also industrialized. Definitely. Individual greed and personal aspirations. Right. It's <laughs> it's very big in our society. It's very super much. big, you know, from from uh, both genders. Like we used to like back like back like you know, a long time ago, we people got married and once they got married it wasn't really about themselves anymore. It was about that union and mm-hmm. then the kids, you know, you know, staying together for that. But now people don't do that anymore. You know, if if I'm if the wife is unhappy, is the husband the husband is unhappy. You know, we're gonna leave because we have our own personal aspirations mm-hmm. and we think about ourselves more. Which mm-hmm. which I don't which I don't necessarily overall it might not be a good thing, but 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 for me for myself I'm gonna live like that. If I'm not happy with, with what I'm doing, I'm going to find a, a reason to be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because because you only get one life. Right. Yeah. You only get one life and. Um, I think that relates to like boundary setting too though because it's like if we're not happy in this partnership let's work it out but if you're beating on me like (laughs) if you there's there's a certain line between like okay like let's work this out versus I'm like literally physically mentally spiritually being harmed by continuing to be in this relationship we get it confused I think we get boundaries confused with people pleasing Mm -hmm. you know I want to please you but, like, what do I want for real? Like, I want to make you happy, but I feel like we're so lost with establishing those personal boundaries within ourselves. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. It starts with ourselves. Personal boundaries within ourselves. Personal boundaries within ourselves. So you're not people-pleasing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a difference, but we get it mixed up. Mm. I agree. That's what funny. else do we be getting mixed up? There's mm-hmm. a lot of things, I mean. A lot of, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many problems. I mean, um, something something that I thought, like, a, a good solution for black people is, like, we, all of us need to go to therapy. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like Michael always talks about that. He always, we talks, never got it. He, he always talks about, like, we need to, um, we need to, like, black people, if, if we want to be married and have successful families and a man, successful marriages, we all need to heal ourselves first. Let's talk about it. Mind, body, soul. Right. Also, need to. I'm always going back to values, but yes, I think values are. It starts with what is. 
healthy, what is successful, these words, what do they actually mean to us, right? Mm. What is this actually, in a perfect world, how would I want this to play out, right? This is where I'm lacking. This is where I feel emotionally, like, damaged. This is what, you know, I need to do to be in that space. Like you were saying, therapy. Um, But it's like, what's the point of therapy if we don't have any goals with the therapy, you know? Like... What's the point of me sitting here and telling you about my deepest, darkest secrets and traumas if I'm not, like, trying to work towards something? I feel like therapy will help you figure out your purpose. Mm -hmm. Like, it'll uncover those traumas so you can really see who you really are at heart. Yeah. And that's what we need. That's what we need. We came straight out of slavery to this lifestyle. Like, we didn't get reparations, no help, no organization. Mm -hmm. Like, we just vibing right now off of trauma. It's like automatic, automatic, like, I don't know. It's like... We're just forced to, like, do it on our own. Literally. And it's just like a cycle that we're stuck in. We're trying to survive. It's like automatic. And some people make it out and some don't. Man, we got to talk about it. It's, I don't know, it's it's so, it's so... um, it's just crazy. Like when you think about it, we were not given anything out of slavery. That was Nothing. that you know, that was actually one of the arguments before before slavery was abolished. A lot of white people had had um a lot of people wanted black people to be free, but they was like, What are we gonna do with you them? You gotta you gotta pay us to free them. Like, and it, it was like they was like, What are we gonna do with them? And I and obviously we see the ultimate solution was we don't do anything with them. You know, we were you know, we were gonna we we're supposed to get forty acres and a mule, but Fuck but, that fucking but, niggas in the room. But pretty sure, pretty sure Andrew Johnson, the 17th president, vetoed that shit. That nigga was racist as hell. <laughs> um, racist as hell. He's not supposed to be president. But that, that's a whole, that's a whole different. Um, that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation. But like, we didn't, we didn't get that stuff. We were just literally thrown, thrown into the, thrown into the Nothing. wilderness. You know, with all types of racist white people, mm. all that type of stuff. We just and something that I always harp upon when you talk about positivity, like black people are the only. Are the only race to um because every every ethnic group in the history of mankind has been enslaved at one point right yeah, yeah. but black people are the only group to um to so when when slavery ended we were ninety eight percent illiterate mm-hmm. but in less than two in less than two generations we cut that we cut that by half wow. you know and that is the largest growth seen by any ethnic group in the history of the world mm. you know so. When like we when people always I hate when people always call black people lazy and shit like that because because no we had to we had to work and grind to get where we are like mm. people see black people today like it's, it's not we we you know it's like we there's a, there's a lot of work that's come right. through you know why they put it on a scale of white people it's like well you know I've I've worked this hard to get here I've worked this hard to get at half literacy. With no tools. You had all the tools. Right. <laughs> right. So we're starting from very different places. Like, of course I'm not where you are right we now. We all had zero. But right. I might have made more strides than you. Right. right? We all start oh, at zero. We we started at negative. <laughs> and another thing is when you talk about um other ethnic groups, a lot of a lot of people tend to um be like, Oh, why why can't you guys be like Asians or Jews the or whatever? Minority. But but something that we don't that we tend to forget is the the Asians and just every anybody who's who's uh, migrated into the United States, the Irish or whatever, mm-hmm. they the people who came over here were the wealthiest mm-hmm. of those groups. 
So they, they had a little bit more of an advantage. You know, they, they understood how, how, how money worked. You know, they understood how a capitalist system worked. They had so, the opportunity. The Arabs right, definitely did. Right. Like, the Arabs, you know, like, a lot of them were, were given corner stores. Like, mm-hmm. and, and the, Detroit. And, and the thing is, yes, the, oh, my God. Don't get me started. <laughs> did, did, I talk about, did I talk about Detroit in the last episode? I think, I don't know if I read about it or if I heard it Be- from you, but because- that... Because in power in, in powernomics, Doctor Claude talks about how um how how Arabs came into Detroit. Yes, and and um ninety eight percent of yeah, the businesses and, yeah. were Arabs. I, I, I think it was ninety. I'm pretty sure it was ninety percent. Ninety percent of the businesses were when in, in a mostly black city where were Arab run. And the thing is, the Arabs here's what they did. They had a plan. They sent it they, back. They sent that yep, money back. Yep, they sent it back. <laughs> they sent it back. They you know they knew what they, they were had doing. a plan. They had a plan. They had a plan. And, and they used to, when we talk about symbolism, they used to throw, like, little festivals and parades to, you know, make everybody happy. Like, oh, it's so cool. Like, you know, another thing, like, people being blinded by symbolism. Too many were looking at pictures and nice things. Mm-hmm. When, when that's not what actually matters. Like, when you, you got to get down to the economics. The economics, that's, that's what matters. We got to own our shit. We don't own it. We will fail we if the black man doesn't have a business or is not trained to know how to right. run I will, anything of I will this. say this in every podcast that we talk about it. Black people spend 98% of their disposable income outside of the black community. Man, say that again. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> black people spend 98% of their disposable income outside of the community. And this some, it wait, feeds into wait, that hierarchy. Wait, I saw something to ask y'all. What did y'all think? I, I know y'all definitely saw it. Did y'all see the, um, the Juneteenth? Oh, um, the with, ice cream! Yeah, the ice cream. With Walmart. It's it's the freedom for me. It's oh, the, yeah. So like, Walmart. Um, Wait, like, what happened? So like, Walmart posted. Oh, well, they 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 put out new new merchandise, which is like um, celebrating Juneteenth, and um, no, they, they put out a Juneteenth ice cream. Uh, you know, like like, like, like great value Juneteenth brand. color. You know, the colors for Juneteenth, all those colors, and they had they had like a little like banner slogan thing that said it's the freedom for me no way yeah, yeah. you kidding me no nah, that ass that ass what they don't have no business talking about june associating anything with june it's team it's a national me. holiday now so they were like hey they took that shit and ran with it hell yeah no and something i posted this on my story but i didn't really get to um i didn't like elaborate on it but that just shows you how powerful the black dollar is. That shows you like it shows you how much these companies will pander to us. That shit's yeah. sick. You know, now we're gonna buy this ice cream because it's a Juneteenth right. on it. And then here's here's a um a video that you guys should watch. Um it was it's still it's on YouTube, it was made in 1954. It was how to sell to the Negro. <laughs> we we are one of the most studied um <laughs> ethnic groups ever. Yes. We might be the most studied. People in other countries study black people in America. How do and, we sell and, to the Negro? And I mean that video is crazy. Does it talk about like how naive we are? Um, it not it doesn't it doesn't talk about our, our our naivety. It just talks about our our habits and what we like. It talks about one of the things that pissed me off, not not because of what they said, but because of how our community is now. They said the Negro, um, his he's always gonna he's always gonna buy something for his family. You know, like family values were more important to black people back then. You know, he's, I, I can't remember what it was, but you guys should watch it. It's a very, very interesting video. It's called How to Sell to the Negro in 1954. It's, but it just talks about, and, and a lot of things I was saying was facts. Like something else he said was like, um, like black people, black people like good brands. 
we like reputable brands. You know, a lot of black people don't don't like to shop at, don't like to buy off brand things. Right. So he was telling, Flashiness. you know, you know, we <laughs> we, we all we all like that. So he was saying in the store when you get some shoes, the black dude is like, don't don't try to lowball him or undersell because he will not buy from you. Mm. You know, he's he wants he wants the nice stuff. He wants the nice stuff. It's just a very very interesting video, and um, you know, it's just kind of it's just crazy because. Uh, I know for a fact those those tactics are still in use today. They are. That, that's nothing why, changed. That, that's why you see those Juneteenth little, little all those all those items being put out there. Marketing. They they want to sell to us. They 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 want they want our dollar. That's why we don't even own our own hair companies anymore. For Bro. black hair, we don't even we don't even own that. We, we don't. don't even own that it's that, the that sector. <laughs> How do we not own that sector anymore? But in the sixties, we did. We we own all black hair care products because it's our hair, but <laughs> but we abandon that stuff. We I don't know chasing the money. I feel uh. like we definitely have to like reform generational wealth. Like I don't think. I mean, companies are just white people at this point. Like we're spending our funds to fund white families, but I feel like our wealth has to do with home ownership life insurance wait wait hold on speaking, <laughs> of, wait, speaking of that that's that's facts so this is one quick thing remember your thought um and oh, no, i was talking about integration earlier mm-hmm. integration it um it, it it helped white people more than more than anything it made them money it, it they need money. black yes, people they, let's put everybody in the movie theater so we can get more money yes they, they let's bring them to the restaurant so we can increase our revenue yes. we they needed integration yes, the only only People who integration hurt with, I guess, all the racist white people who didn't want to yep. be with black people. Fear. But, but yeah, but that's only people that, that that it hurt, quote unquote. But you know, like they they gained money, and then and then we lost it because we didn't. You know, we didn't, we didn't have didn't, our own. We 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 did have our own, but we abandoned it. We we abandoned our own. Mm-hmm. And you talk about home ownership, um, gentrification. Another thing is when you talk about white people, um, and after World War Two, they wanted to go to the suburbs, right. and. We own houses in the inner, in the inner city because white flight, white people do not want to be with us. Right. But then some gentrification of the process of them coming back and realizing where they screwed up, mm-hmm. and then although the houses cost so much, black people sell it instantly. That's what happened in my neighborhood. A lot of the black people who lived on my street, they all sold their houses because you know it's quick money. We don't understand the importance of home ownership and the owning of land. Mm-hmm. But we also have to money. sorry. No, 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 no. We also have to speak a redlining too. You know yeah. how like mortgages wouldn't even give you a mortgage because this neighborhood is all white. Right. Like it's a lot of things that play into home ownership, and we've just been at a disadvantage. I think it's just yeah. the the fact of ownership of land is insane because it's like whose <laughs> land is this? Like right. it's not. This is not nobody's land. Right. Like, how am I just gonna sell you land? Like right. that land didn't even belong to me in the first right. place. It's, it's just America. nature. It's, it's just America. man, capitalism. Yeah, that's that's how we've been. But let me tell you, let me tell you, because I think this is very important with like reforming our generational wealth. Big two things that come to mind to me is home ownership and life insurance. What if we put make or what if we make our life and month like monthly life insurance bill mandatory with our mortgage. Mm. Like you know how bills, uh, electricity, Wi-Fi, you can cut those off. Mm-hmm. Same with life insurance, you can cut that off at any time. Right. But if it's mandatory, like mortgage rent, 
that or mortgage sorry mortgage that's where we can really create like an advantage in our community because if our lives are them bro life insurance i want to go to court now let me tell you something about Mm -hmm. life insurance because i feel like black people only see it as a way to cover like burial expenses you know like Mm -hmm. no it's literally insurance but they don't understand the income that comes with it yeah they don't understand that this, you're wealthy now. It grows like crazy. It does. And that's what black people aren't exposed to. They just think, oh, yeah, it's just going to cover the expenses, whatever. No, dude. You have a million dollars in your pocket now. Plus a home. Plus now you can invest into businesses, get your kids into college. This is very important to talk about. Like making sure that life insurance is incorporated with mortgage. That's the only that's like the only thing that comes to my mind when I think of generational wealth for black people. I think uh, one of the biggest problems when it comes to life insurance is a lot of people think it's a scam. They do. A lot of people I mean, think it's a scam. Insurance is I mean, all of this created things that we've made, like they're kind of scams. Like, this is not inherent of our nature. Like we don't have to like take out an insurance policy for health or for a car. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's literally a way to generate more revenue for these companies. Very much. Right? If you think Wait. about it from a very literal standpoint. Didn't y'all talk about that last podcast? I think Mike had brought up a good point about Well see, I would like to argue with him because Michael did talk about life insurance. He did. And he I did. think he brought up the point of how, you know, what did he say? What did he say? Fuck, think about it. Um, he said He's, the companies the reason why companies don't really endorse life insurance or really let people let black people know about it is because like it's going to cost them more money mm-hmm. but i mean it is like look at the rate the mortality rates amongst black people like where the we have the highest death rate amongst no. any other race but here's the thing i think oh i don't even think it ha- it is a plan it is a scam but we gotta look past that. Like, wait, I remember what he said. What he said? He said, he said, if the black people had life insurance, the cops wouldn't kill us. That's what he said. Pretty fucking. It's a plan. That's what he said. It's a well thought out plan. I don't know. It's a lot to talk about with this topic, bro. I need. To, I definitely need to um, do. I need to do more, more research on life insurance. I remember. I remember a year ago. Um, there's a dude at my job. Well, he he was he didn't work there, but he's a frequent customer. He's this older black dude. He's mm-hmm. always he's always trying to recruit people to life insurance, and um, I didn't know what opportunity he was. He just wanted he's wanted me to he's wanted me to work with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I just talked to his um talked to his boss. It was like another like a, like a wealthy black dude, and it was it was just really cool. Um, it was really cool. I personally didn't think I was ready to like start start selling life insurance. It'll make you money though, yeah. but that's I, like it's time I, consuming. I, I do, but like, but I'm not really. That's not what I'm trying to. Uh, that's not what I was trying to do then. I'm not really what I'm trying to do now. Honestly, in the future, who knows? But um, it was just very interesting. That was like my first time like being exposed to um, to life insurance yeah. and then how and how how lucrative it is. I think recently people are starting to talk about it more because of COVID. Right. Like a lot of yeah. people died. And the ones who are at the top made money from it. You yep. feel me? And it's I feel like black people don't see life insurance as valuable. Mm-hmm. Like like I said, they see it as covering expenses, nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. 
But like, what people don't understand is that black people are already struggling. But we suffer more. Listen to what I'm saying. We suffer more without life insurance, bruh. Like, we're not gaining anything. No, think about it like this. Why do you think they have these funding platforms? Well, not even like that. A lot of people use these funding platforms to help with expenses. Like, you'll see, oh, my mom died. Please donate some money. Mm -hmm. We're suffering because of that. We are. Like, you could have gained in, I don't know, like, it's a thought-out plan. And I think the issue is not necessarily that people just don't want to because they think it's a scam. I think, one, part of it is we don't have education about it. Like, there's no literacy on what it means no financial literacy but especially on insurance and two like if i'm making you know a thousand dollars a check and my rent is 600 and then i have 200 for groceries like how much money do i really have left over to invest in these these policies are not made accessible for people to actually like do something with them right it it, it's definitely a solution, but it's only a solution if we actually make it accessible for people to I feel have like a solution. It, because of COVID, it's more accessible. Like, you have people trying to get you onto the, the wave of selling life insurance or even buying it nowadays. Right. Like, before COVID, nobody, nobody was talking about life insurance, bruh. I don't know. Nobody was coming up to you. Nobody was sending you messages about join our team to sell it. You could make, and that's residual income Man, right there. That's true. residual <laughs> income right there. I feel like it shows you just like the symbolism of money again. Like, what is that at? Like, we are putting a dollar value on life at this point. But that's like, the only way we can really get out of this rat race. Like, if you think about how black people can gain generational wealth. Like I said, the two things I think of is home ownership and life insurance. I understand that. And I guess my question is, all right, well, let's say we play this game, right? And we make it to the top. Then what? We're still in this game, right? Is it is the goal to make it to the top of this game or is the goal to leave the game? What's the goal? Can we leave the game? We can. I think we, can. Cr- we talked about a unified the consciousness. created. No, but no, no, I'm saying like, can can we, I I think that in order for us to win, I think we need to play the game, but, but with each other. Of course. You know the, it's a, it has I, to be a circle. That's what I'm saying, but but like doing that, you don't like, you don't actually leave the game. You're, you're, you're just playing, I mean, you're just playing your own game. game. <laughs> you're playing your own game within the game. I feel like, like I said, Which I feel like. Which is what I think we should do. Organization has to do with instructions and aspirations for real, like. We have to create our own values, like traditions. We have to create our own everything, like a whole reform, pretty much. Own holidays. But the thing is, own schools. Here's the thing about that. I've thought about this more and more. (laughs) That stuff, we should do that. But how does it happen in real time? See, like the thing is, the thing is, we, we forget when it comes to time, like, Every day moves on. It does. And it moves on faster than you think. It does. That's, that's why we have a lot of the same problems that we had um, 100, 100 years ago, or like, since slavery. Because cause 
the problems are never addressed head on. Like you have to address a lot of these things in real time because like you can look like, fifty years ago, you know, like whatever whatever you think of how much progress we had, a lot of a lot of especially like personality and just how we behave as people. Slavery for me, I can trace my lineage to slavery about like like five generations. Mm-hmm. Five generations. That's five people. That's five people in your family. Like that's that's not that many. Like that's not it's very easy to like you know, we can talk about how many years have passed, but like five people, five people raising that's not, one person raising another and then another, like I can, it's not as far off as, as people want to make it seem. They want to make, and this kind of goes back to the timeline thing. Like we always feel like we're on a timeline. We always feel like, oh, we got to solve this right now. But I, I don't think this is one of those issues that we can put like a time frame on and say by twenty, you know, sixty two, like everything's gonna be kumbaya and it's gonna be great and it's gonna be wonderful. Like it starts. It's great to think big and long term, but I think. The focus is on the actual actions that we take every day. The focus is on how I live my life, how my partner lives my life, how we influence our children to live their lives, their friends, like my friends. Like it's an impact, right? It's like the domino effect. Mm -hmm. Like if I start to adopt these ways of living and people are seeing, okay, this is working. Like let's see, monkey do right. Like let's keep doing this. That's when it starts to really make. An impact rather than just like let's come up with a solution right now and everyone has to execute I feel like it. the solution we're already doing it like we're having this conversation yeah. like education put us here right I would say like time forget time we have to like advocate for the younger generation to get education like it starts with them ourselves. we do i think we put a lot of pressure on the younger generation too because like that's exactly what you know my parents and all of my like older but we have to create about. our own curriculums that's where it starts reforming everything but i feel like with us what we can do now i don't know because like the generation the older generations, I feel like they had a disadvantage because of, like, the crack crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, co- like, there's always... There's always, always something. There's always something, right? Like, there, I don't think... I think we just all have very different struggles. Like, we all have a struggle. It's just a different struggle, right? right? Different. right? And so we have to, like, put that into perspective. Like, right now we're going through COVID, our grandparents went through what was it polio Mm -hmm. like before that there was whatever they had to do plague if we (laughs) i mean our parents generation you know you had aids and stuff like that right Right. and if we want to you know that's why comparing doesn't really like it means something but it really doesn't mean much it doesn't like because like you can't it's hard to compare other people to realities at the end of the day comparing struggles at, at the end of the day like a struggle like, is a struggle it's, it's right. a struggle it's to a struggle. me right and what and it makes me feel a certain way your struggle might be worse you know you might have a worse struggle it's like but at the end of the day we are we are both perceiving our struggle to ourselves in a certain way and it makes us feel bad you know at the end of, that's why it's hard to to compare see the thing struggles. is struggle creates who you are really like it shapes you and i feel like it was a struggle to even like get here to be right that one that's what i'm saying so i feel it. like to prevent the younger generation from struggling it starts with us healing mm-hmm. it starts yeah. with us 
It has to. It got to start somewhere. Somewhere. Like I was like explaining, like um, when when you just left for a second, like um, like five five generations, five or six generations. That's like slavery. Yeah, that's yeah. that's five people. I think that's that's five that's five five dads, <laughs> five dads. Like literally, it's the same. Like like you were although, like we we learn how to parent kind of from our parents. You right, know? right. That, that that's that's kind of like where it comes from. And they learn how to do it from their parents. They're they carrying to, on this so, trauma. It's the same. Right. That, that's that's why the generational curses are so prominent because we are, we are carrying on. We are teaching <laughs> our children the same thing that our parents taught us. Mm-hmm. We shit like you think about like spanking children. Slaves used to get spanked. They used to get <laughs> yeah, whipped. Right. You know, and and a raft of slavery when the kid was beha- was when the kid was misbehaving. He was like, how am I going to get him in line? Oh. Spank. Whip! I'm gonna right. whip him. I'm right. gonna spank him because that's how I that's how I was gotten like, right. and then it's just passed down. It's passed down, you know. So that's why somebody there has to be a generation or who that it can. They don't even gotta be a a, a community wide spectrum. What are you doing in your family? It starts with the it starts with the individual. It starts. It's like it's individual stuff. At the end of the day, you can talk about community. What is the community gonna need to do? But it starts with with one man or woman. It starts with one person. It starts with a vision, really. You it starts know, with a vision. I feel like the only thing that is different between us and our parents is the media. The media plays an important role in what we do, how we... The media, we have influencers. Like, oh, these big platforms and who the, the pages that we're consumed by really play a role in our daily lives pretty much. I yeah, agree. That's I mean that's been all throughout like history mm-hmm. essentially. I think it's just the transformation of one, the accessibility of it, mm-hmm. like the reach of it. Like we all carry around cell phones all the time. Billions like, of people do. We did not Billions. have that not even 23 that's years ago. Saying, right? And so it's crazy to think about. It's crazy. <laughs> like iPhones. <laughs> the iPhone were came not out in the two thousands, bro. Yeah. So it's like we have this, but it, I think we think of it in such a negative way. Like we have this access to the whole world. Let's leverage it in a good way instead of thinking about all the detrimental effects. Like how can we actually use this platform? to do something rather than showing off, you know, my new bag or my new shoes or my new whatever. Like, how can I use this platform? Because it's the same way they had thought leaders. It's the same way they had all these, you know, historical figures, these people that were telling them this is the way. They had influencers then too, you know, actors, actresses, musicians, Mm -hmm. celebrities, like just all not these on a people, wide spectrum. Right. They were telling you this is how you should dress, this is how you should do things. Right. We have that now on our phones yeah. at this, you know, larger scale. So it's like I was saying, like, how can we leverage this to actually do something? That's that's kinda like why um like when I post certain things on Instagram, like on my story, like I like to post, um I like to put I go to the gym a lot. I like to post like a picture of me in the gym. Mm-hmm. I like to post um I, I did it more. I did it more during quarantine. I don't do it as much anymore. But I used to post like my smoothies mm-hmm. that I was making. Like I used to. I still say like first team all water. Like you know, I used to. I, I like used to, that. I used to post that shit a lot because you know it, it makes people want to start doing the same yeah, thing. And, and, and the thing is, like people are gonna show off their life on social media, and I, some people do it more than others. And the thing is, if if 
if you're gonna post whatever whatever shit you're posting, I'm gonna post something in my life, and I'm gonna post something positive. Mm-hmm. And people, I've like, I had friends tell me like they've been motivated by things, right. like, like, like none of y'all knew me before, but before this school year, like I lost fifty pounds during yeah. quarantine. Way to fuck up, yeah. Like yeah. yeah, like that, and, and that. I knew what I was talking about on the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> But, 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 but you know, no, I didn't know you though. I didn't know you. Facts, before. but I've definitely noticed oh, you change over oh, yeah. the last couple months. Yeah, and it's like it, it, it brought so it brought the habits it brought to my life for things that I want to share with others. Cause yes, I mean, I used to, I was never on this. Well, stuff. I, like, on that too. I, I was not, not, I was I not in the gym. I was not in the gym. Like, I was not eating healthy. I used to, I, I live my life completely differently now than I used to. And today, I told myself I wasn't gonna work out this week because I, um, I work out a lot. Sometimes it gets kind of stressing on the mind. It's like, oh, yeah, another, another day. But but today I worked out mm-hmm. because I knew I was podcasting. So I'm like, I, I want I want my brain to be powered. Yes. And at the same time, there was like there was like an urge in my mind, like go work out, go work out, because it's a habit for me now. Because I've made it a habit. Because mm-hmm. I I've, it's just it's just ingrained in my mind now, and I want to share that with other people. Some people can think I'm showing off, whatever. You can think all that. I don't I don't care what you think. But yeah. if I if I motivated you to go better your life mm-hmm. and and do and be a healthier person, then I'm if I did that if I did that for like one or two people, like that's really all that matters. That's an impact. Right? You're it's an, an influencer. Impact. I appreciate that. Well, that's <laughs> funny that you say that because I had I have a friend, so I was vegan for like two years, mm-hmm. like before the pandemic and then during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and. I was like explaining to my friend like oh yeah I don't eat meat like da 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 and she was like that's like veganism is like gross like they eat like weird foods and like all this stuff and I was like but don't you eat pig's ass but I digress <laughs> I digress him <laughs> I digress <laughs> look Chitlin bro but no. and so it's funny like I really enjoy cooking and so I would just like start posting my food on Instagram, how people do. And I would have people like, oh, what is that? That looks so good. And I'm like, oh, it's completely vegan. Like, it's literally like three ingredients. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no fucking way. Like, changing the game. That, yeah. And like, the more I would post, people would be like, oh, can I have the recipe for this? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, can you, like, you should make a food page or something. And it's like oh. that, that reach has, you know, it does something. Like, it, it, like, like you said, it plants that seed in people. They're able to see this thing, and they're able to realize, okay, maybe I didn't know it how I thought I knew it. You right. know, I had this girl eating vegan food, and she had no idea, right? Bro, look at look at what I did, bro. It's <laughs> gonna make a positive impact, man. I think it I want to talk about small, that too. And it starts with you. It starts. I feel like it's levels to this shit. Like, if we want to change the world, of course, it's not gonna happen overnight. It starts with you. It starts with your family, your community, your friends. And then it starts with the world. Like, you have they to impact. It's levels to the shit. Like, the I think people just skip it and just jump ahead. Like, let's start with the little things first. It goes a long way. It's like, a gradual progression. It is. It's and gradual. I don't know, people, us black people for sure, we're so quick minded to just get things done quick. Right. Like, I know, of course I want to change the world. Of course I want to make an impact. But I know it starts with me and it starts with the people that I'm around. Mm-hmm. It starts with the 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 stories I'm telling my family. Like, it's the little things like that that really make a difference. Right. And I'm not going to lie, like, my, 
my weight loss working out every day, that's that is probably the core reason why I started eating heavy again. Mm-hmm. Because Same. the need to improve my body made me want to improve my mind as well. I was like, if I'm doing all this to it's improve my body, it's like I need to improve my mind. So I I read I read the first book I read um during quarantine was um The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Mm-hmm. And that, that book is so fire, like it's a very spiritual book, you know, really focusing with like on yourself and your, your purpose and stuff like that and like how, how to treat a woman and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. and like what, what like what makes a woman happy and and those um like that book when i when i realized how how impactful it was in my life i was like damn i ain't start reading all these other books mm-hmm. and I, I had i had them i just i wasn't reading them like i started mm-hmm. reading willie lynch theory you know i really started get i started getting on my dr claude anderson mm-hmm. i i just built and now i have all these books in there like you know, I haven't read all of them, but I will. You, you know, it's, it's progression. It's like you change your patterns, which change your mindset. Right. Like, you got out of that loop, and now you're exposed to a lot of other things. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It just, it just, it was beautiful. And that's the thing about social media and, like, like there are books that I found because of a damn YouTube algorithm. Like it's <laughs> it showed me it showed that's how I found Tom Soul. You know, like they cause, know because like his like one of his that videos algorithm. popped up in my timeline, and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Mm-hmm. I read it. Me, I, me and Michael was looking at it together, and he was like, oh, let's read this book together. You know, and then you know it just it just build. You just build off of it. It's gradual. Mm-hmm. Like it's gradual. You know, you can't you can't have it quick. You can't have it fast because when, when you can you get it fast, you don't know how to keep it. Tell Mike good things take time. <laughs> you, you don't you don't know how to maintain it once if if you if it's like you said if you get a if you get a homeless man a million bucks he's he's gonna he's, he's gonna spend it all irresponsibly because he didn't because he didn't he didn't cultivate get, the tools right he didn't cultivate the tools it. right it's like if if you drop me back two years ago and I'm and I'm and I'm in shape I don't I'm gonna gain the weight back because I right. don't I don't know how to maintain it right I haven't built I haven't built that discipline and I haven't built the eating habits you know it's all gradual we need to. We need to, you know, it's not going to be fast. It's going to be something that slowly happens. Mm-hmm. But you got to make a step each day. Right. Each day is important. And they all, we see how fast time is going. But each day happened. Each day happened. And what did you do on that day? That's what I kept telling myself when I was losing weight. Because that, that shit was tough, man. Like, mm-hmm. every fucking day I was by myself in quarantine, just mm-hmm. grinding. I'm like, damn, it's not coming fast enough. Mm-hmm. You know, but each day went by each month. And it's like, okay, like, I'm seeing results. And it just it just happens, you know, it's, it's just gradual, and it's beautiful. And sometimes it's it's I think we're so results focused that we're not even aware that we're on a journey. It's a like, journey. It's all the journey. The results are gonna come right. like, if you're putting in the work. But how are you feeling throughout this? Like, like what is this experience like as a whole? Right. I think I kind of want to talk about manifesting because like you gotta have that vision. Like, you have to have a reason why you're doing it. You have to have a strong reason, burning desire. There's a reason. And I feel like, I think I talked about this on my story a while ago, but the reason why why a lot of people can't manifest effectively is because of time. Like, they think they're going to get it. Oh, I'm going to get it in a month. No, you have to learn things in a month for it to come into your reality, you know? We're so fixated on time. Time is a social construct. Like, they made this shit up. It really is. And they really made is. it up. Like, oh. I was watching a video about that the other day. It's like, why does why does time go by faster as you get older? And um, one of the things I was actually thinking about during this conversation 
it's like as we get older we tend to focus more and when you're focused there's like something in your mind that just that makes that makes you kind of like lose that perception mm-hmm. so it's like we, we've been talking for a few hours now but you don't even notice it we don't even notice because because you're focused and whenever you focus on something it always go by it always goes by faster and that's just how it is that's what time is like but when you're bored time is going by so bro slow. i think boredom has to do with like a lack of purpose right like if you know where you're going or have an idea boredom is not even a thing at that point because everything you're doing even picking up a water bottle you're engaging into your purpose right you know and a lot of people don't understand that the littlest things pretty much create everything terminus theory like it's all related in a casual chain Mm -hmm. like everything (laughs) everything has to happen in order for you to be exactly where you are where would you be without it where would I be if I didn't just pick this up now and put it down? Like, it's the little, at a drop of a hat, you just dodged a bullet and you didn't even know it. Like, it, a lot of people don't understand. I feel like it has to do with, like, being in the moment and enjoying the little things in life. Like, a lot of people lack that. Like, they're right. not mentally, physically present. Right. But you're also not enjoying the little things. Like I enjoy this water bottle. <laughs> right. Like I'm, I was hydrated. Like it's the lack of gratitude. It's the lack of gratitude, and that's where Take the lack of purpose granted. and mission comes from. Right. Like, and we just expect to have everything that we have, and that's like, well, time. That's what time had does. To make you know a sacrifice, somebody had to do something in order for you to have those things. Man, like. Be grateful. Be great, right. bro. Ooh, I don't know if right. I want to talk about it. Nah, right. go ahead. Nah, before, before, you, before you talk about that, that's why for me personally, I think it's kind of like it's kind of a product that makes me feel bad. But when I'm in college, I try to, I try to, be in the moment with my college friends as much as I can, mm-hmm. and and when that comes for comes to me, like I don't call people at as at home mm-hmm. as much. Same. Because I'm really trying to be present in my environment. Mm-hmm. I kind of view it as like you guys have your time. I have my. If you guys have your time with me at home, you guys have your time with me at um. In, in my, my my college friends have their time with me here, cause I don't I don't like I don't like valuable. You know, it's like I like sometimes like friends back home will call me and I don't answer, cause I'm chilling in the room with my college friends, mm-hmm. and then and I gotta leave to come in my room when all my friends in the living room, and you know it's not like a um. It's it's not. I don't get mad at them for calling me. I understand because you know you guys are back home. You like you know I you guys are missing a part of the group. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm trying to be as present in this moment that I have because I understand how easily it can be taken away because mm-hmm. of COVID. You know, with, I lost a year with hella people who I all my friends and I lost a year with people who I never even will have a chance to meet because I lost a year of college. Right. Think about it. Think about the classes that we took during COVID. All the classes that we just saw people in front of the damn computer screen. All the people that we actually could have met in person that we will never Stolen. ever see. Stolen. Stolen. Teachers. Like, like Miseducation of the Negro. Like, I found like I found about that book because in my philosophy class, my teacher told us about it. And when I finish the book, I'm going to email him. I'm going to tell him how grateful I was mm-hmm. for his class. He don't even know who I am. You're going to live a long time. He has no idea who the hell I am, but I'm going to tell him, like, I am grateful for your class, how much made an impact on me. Yes. And it, and it Bro, I did that off. to uh, Professor Harris. For real? Yes. Hell yeah, like, 
And I'm and he gonna be hella surprised when I pull up in his office next Literally. Semester, trying to talk to him like, oh, just. Remember, I was saying I need to have lunch with him or something this summer because right. that man, space. man, right? Because he um he sent me because I used to go to his office sometimes and talk to him. Same. Um, talking about Dr. Harris, and he uh he sent me a, a paper of uh, that he wrote about blackness, and I never got a chance to finish it. He wanted me to come talk to him about it, but I never got a chance to um to to finish it mm-hmm. just because. Now, overwhelmed with his class, honestly. You remember he gave us that eight-page paper? Like, I actually hell? enjoyed that. I'm not even going uh, to I actually enjoyed that. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, like, I mean, wrote right before class. Yes. <laughs> it took me, that was like a 48-hour paper. <laughs> no, nah, I was really excited to write it. I was excited, too. When I was writing, I'm like, I want this shit to be done. Thanks. I want it to be done. <laughs> but, like, he's going to be surprised when I walk up into his office and, and, and try to continue the conversation about that paper. Because mm-hmm. he probably is thinking... Oh, he, he just forgot. He probably didn't care. He, mm-hmm. yeah, he didn't care enough, but I do. And I've always been on my mind. I just haven't had the time to read it because it's like a long... He's a damn PhD. So, you know... Tenure. <laughs> you know, you know he, he can write. You know, he's going to write some shit. <laughs> and so, it's, it's, it, it wasn't no easy a read. Book. I started reading. I'm like, damn, this is going to take a while for me to actually understand. Like, I don't have time for this right now. Like, you know, it's just like... This is like... I, but going back to staying in the moment, like, it's something that really I'm trying to grasp and mm-hmm. you know just appreciate the time in college because I know it's not for average and we almost done you know so we ain't gonna speak it so it's like I mean, <laughs> stolen that's that, that's why that's why instead of going home um like a few weeks ago when school ended like a lot of my friends did I was like let me stay in, let me stay in DC even though I don't have a job right now like I will when I go home like I still need to um I just want to experience this environment because mm-hmm. I, I haven't a lot so of times lost. I've experienced summer in San Francisco and Oakland and all that. Right. Like, I need to experience summer in D.C. Right. You know, it's different. I'm, I'm leaving in a few weeks, but at the same time, I still, still wanted to, you know, just like, under, you know, just be in this area. Be in the moment. Be in this moment, you know, actually appreciate it and enjoy it. That's powerful. You know, that's why I try to, when I talk to people, I try to stay off my phone. Like, a lot of people, you might hang out with them, you know, they're going to be on their phone all the time, you know, they're not. That that is the my that is my number two pet peeve is phone heads. Like, I think my time is valuable and my my presence is a gift. And it's like you can get on your phone any other time. I'm just trying to give you two hours of my time. Like, why would you jeopardize my presence like that? Like, I kind of find that disrespectful. But then again, I get it because I was that person as well. Like, I used to be a phone head when the media came out on Instagram, TikTok, all of that. But once you understand, like, your mission and purpose and how, you know, your presence affects everything, you know, you you can't really jeopardize that. Right, right. You got to be in the moment. You got to slow down. Exactly. Man. Exactly. You got to slow, slow down. Slow down. Just slow down. People are always... Quickness. And, and so some people will go on their phone when they're with somebody because they're bored or whatever. It's like, but a, it's like you, a habit. You, you, you create that boredom when you're right. on the phone. Because like, you're, not, you're not even trying... Oh, God! You're not even trying, you're not even trying to, to live in that moment. It's like, all right, boring. Right. You know, on my phone, you know? I'm not going to lie. I, I, be, I be on my phone a lot. But when I'm... When I'm with, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to stay off it, honestly, because I need to, other things I need to focus on in my life. But when I'm with people, I definitely try to stay in that moment. Yes. You know, just enjoy the, enjoy my friends, you know, enjoy whoever I'm with. I feel like once you understand, like I keep saying, I keep going back to mission. You understand that this shit is bigger than you. Like everything that I'm doing, even not me not being on my phone is bigger than me. I'm being more present so that can help me in my journey. You know what I mean? 
but a lot of people don't understand that they don't they don't really jeopardize or they don't really value their time and their being right you feel me right exactly i hope everyone who's listening to this is, is someone <laughs> man i could talk about like, this you know, for like, hours bro like our, our our sages you know you gotta you gotta understand that you if know? you get it you the girls that get it get they it. get it they get it it's not we don't even have to be explaining this right now but it's like we have to explain this like we're down bad you know it's, <laughs> i think i think this podcast is going to be titled like Mind, body, soul, man. I, I, don't, I don't. We talked about hella shit, we man. Did. Like, I don't even know what to. I don't even know what to title it. I was early off thinking, oh, I'm gonna title it Power Nominals. but then we start talking about some other <laughs> shit. So I don't. I don't know what to, to title it. Alignment. 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 Purpose. Purpose. I don't know. I'm. I'm glad that I got to talk about. I got to hop on some motivational mm-hmm. stuff on this episode because I noticed. A lot of time, I don't get to do it as much mm-hmm. when I just t- when Stop I'm just talking because because people you know sometimes people don't be on the same wavelength as me right. with like with the with the goals that I have in my life and just like um, just the things that I do on a daily basis mm-hmm. and I'm I'm ma- I'm happy that I'm that I'm able to actually like talk about like give give my motivational side because yeah. that that's a very that's a very prominent side it's of perfect. me that, that a lot it of people, is. that if you listen to our podcast you might not know about as much. I, we have like one episode. Wow, it's really, really in my bag. I'm Which one? Men and motivation. Um, we did it on Instagram live. That's not. Uh, that's our most popular episode, actually. I was like going. What crazy. was it about? Um, uh, what were you talking about? Cause y'all know I'm a fan. Man, I'm a supporter. Let me, let me go. Let me go look. I don't really remember because it was like about a whole bunch of stuff. But me and Michael was talking about. We we started talking to Jordan too. You know Jordan. Jordan Muir, TikTok. Oh, I do remember that part. I do remember. Yeah, yeah, he, I do remember. Well, he's been in a few, but he, he joined that one kind of like halfway. Yeah, yeah, I know He joined it halfway, about. but I remember like, it was actually kind of crazy. Sometimes like, we was talking about like masculinity. Yeah, we was talking about masculinity. That's where me and my... That's was, one thing they talk about, about a lot. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, we talk about masculinity. Red pill, blue pill, purple. Oh my God. Red Michael, pill, Michael, Michael loves talking about that. Literally. Like, he loves, he loves talking about that shit. <laughs> Um, but something, um, like, what was I about to say? I can't even remember. Um, uh, uh, uh. That you put your heart out on a podcast. I mean, oh, yeah, I here's what, yeah, I remember now. That, that was a crazy moment for me, because I was, like, talking a lot, and it was 20 people in there. Mm, that's then, a lot. And they were all listening to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like. Like, this this is this is really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I can't screw up. <laughs> like I can't screw up. Like, it was it was just crazy because I was really like I was really spitting on that on that part, like really giving out my, my soul mm-hmm. on that. Letting and, it flow. And sometimes like honestly, it's kinda like scary to think about it. Yeah, you know? it is. If, if the podcast goes where I want it to go, I don't know if I can handle like, having like a big a big audience for right. real. Cause like for me, sometimes like I'm gonna be honest. Sometimes I care about what people think a little too much, mm-hmm. and I know if I have some critics, you know, it's it's gonna be kind of hard for me. Yeah. So I need to be trying to prepare myself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, I, there was recently there was we we had a critic of our podcast, so someone who actually like I consider a friend was kind of it's crazy, but it kind of made kind of made me kind of happy. Cause like I needed some fuel. Yeah, <laughs> gives you that burning desire. I, I, it fuels I, it up. You're doing it right though. Like I, you know, you're doing it right when you're creating controversy. He fueled that fire. You're making people think about things. Right. right. And I, I, I needed, I needed it. Um, it's kind of made me. All right, 
all right, bet. I need to. I need to go harder now. <laughs> I need to go harder. You know, it's really about how you how you perceive the information that you're given. Either right. you can fold, or you, you can fold, or you can you can you know like go higher. Swim or drown. You know, like it's a sink or swim. You know, fight fight or flight. Right. All that. Like, what are you what are you gonna do? How are you gonna how are you gonna respond to the crisis mm. that is coming your way? You know, and I like to I like to be someone who. Who, who stands up in the face of adversity that's what purpose does to you you find the light in every situation right. because you know that you need this situation good or bad exactly but i feel like one thing about that word bad is there is no such thing like it's either gonna it's always gonna help you learn like it'll uncover more of who you are mm-hmm. good or bad right but Right. Niggas don't see it that way it's just really man it's... i just peeled back a layer of my skin Man, it's, it's just like so much, so much things. I'm, I'm really glad I got to get all that off my chest. Man, I, I, I it's liberating. That. I need, I needed that. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like this is, I can't believe this is my first podcast without Michael. That's, How does it feel? Man, it feels great. Look, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, last name on it, Blue. <laughs> Bro, that's just the name of the. <laughs> Wait, is that his last name? Yeah. Michael Blue. Of course. I, I He's say, such a Capricorn. I, I say Leo at our, our grade school. He. Was, People always used to call him like Blue, like our coaches. Hello, like, Michael Blue. No, they used to say his full name all the time. People now, we was like Michael Blue, Michael Blue. Yeah, Michael Blue is his um, <laughs> Michael Blue has a name of he's taking it's his a own celebrity um, name. Michael Blue. It damn near is. That's why. That's why people say it so much. People always, whatever you say, Michael. You always people always say his full name. Mm. Oh, Michael Blue. You know, it's mm. just it's I don't know. It's kind of funny. But um, we miss you, Mike. We love you. Shout out to you, man. I think it's I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, the Warriors are about to play, so <laughs> I'm dead. I'm and dead. And what M- you gotta do? And NBA Finals birth is on the line. Go Doves, yes sir. Uh, y'all have any final thoughts before I end it? I just want to thank you for letting us come on here and really speak our minds, speak our hearts, speak our souls. Like that was a really stimulating conversation. I think you brought up a good point about like us being on the same level. Mm-hmm. We attracted this situation, like. That's why you guys are here. Yep. We're not gonna get into <laughs> no. that, but um. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you like, having that's, us. That's why y'all is on the podcast. Man, we gonna we gonna have to save that for another day. Because because I I know how you think, and you said your friend thinks like you, so. Yeah, <laughs> we're one. Well, like we're all part, one. You know? We're I am because of you. I am because of you. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. But man, it it was an honor being on here. Y'all know I'm like y'all biggest supporter, man. <laughs> it was Hell crazy yes, how yes. like literally this time last year I was like binge listening to y'all. For real? Binge listening. And we didn't even know you. Didn't That's know a you. fact. Yeah. I didn't even know. I just I knew of y'all because of y'all group. Mm. Oakland. Right, like Kill and everybody. <laughs> Thanks. Man, that that means it means a lot. That know. means this is crazy. The podcast definitely means a lot to me and Michael. Like especially when it comes to books, all I read, all the books mm-hmm. I read, you know, it really, it like our, the podcast and our account. Just like I said this to Michael on the phone, like this is my intellectual child. You know, it's like you got nurture. It's, it's mm-hmm. where I get to like talk Slow. about talk about my beliefs and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. just as as a black man, like we like it's one of the things that pisses me off when people say like black men need to, need to start need to stop making podcasts and and be electricians like, <laughs> like and, and i'm not gonna lie like it, it like i'm i'm gonna do a little rant because a lot of a lot of black women say that 
But y'all don't even want an electrician. Y'all don't. Y'all don't. Y'all want the money maker. Y'all don't want a plumber. No, 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 no. I'm not going to disrespect electricians because they be making money. They do. But they want the fast money makers. And that's not all y'all. Y'all know who y'all are when, when I say that. You know, but I think podcasting black men, we need to we need to take our voice back. We need to we take do. our image back. Take our power. And, and take our power back, you know. So that's what I think is the, 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 the power in this stuff, you know. Like, but... No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm done right there. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Right, you know, we say as long as y'all show love, we'll stay consistent. Black Lotus out. One numbers. Love.